boy, I've really got a firm grasp on this topic. I know something that others don't know. And when I share this with them, it's going to make an impact on their lives. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to Traffic Jam. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and super stoked, as always, to have you here with me on today's episode. We're episode number 40, and we're back after a short hiatus in recording. We did take a break for a week or two, so glad you could be back here. And what an episode I've got in store for you. We've got pretty much everything covered on today's show, everything from AdSense to content marketing and from apps to entrepreneurship. And that's because my guest today has a wealth of experience online. Now, get this. He got his first computer way back in 1980, which is the same year, incidentally, I was born. He had one of the first 18,000 websites on the World Wide Web way back in 1995, before many of us had even found the internet. This guy's done deal sites, AdSense sites, gaming sites, applications. He's been blogging since 2003, and he's written nine books, no least, including The AdSense Code, Twitter Power, and Kaching. So that probably gives you a few clues as to who today's guest is. But uh, you're not going to get that interview just yet. I'm going to tell you what else is coming up. We have, of course, the one minute traffic tip. We have this week's news in traffic. And then, of course, as always, we play out Traffic Jam with the Traffic Jam, a musical jam chosen by my guest today. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So my guest today is Joel Com. He doesn't need much of an introduction, really, because he's a very well-known name in the online space. He's been around for some time and has certainly achieved a lot and pioneered much during that time. He's going to share a lot of that on today's interview, which I know you're going to love. Um, Joel and I first met, I think, back in December of last year, um, where both of us were speaking on an event that I co-organized called the Middle East Internet Summit. And uh, ever since then, I've been trying to track Joel down to get him on the show, but he has a very, very busy travel schedule. So it's taken us a little bit of time to slot it in. But uh, anyway, super happy that we could make the time to put this interview together. I'm going to leave the introduction at that and uh, invite on now Joel Com for today's feature interview. I hope you enjoy it. So this is Traffic Jam episode number 40 and joining me and you of course the listener today is the one and only, the man, the myth and practical internet legend, Joel Com. Joel, how are you? Well, I'm a myth, so I'm not I'm not real apparently. There's... There you go. You see, you, you <laughs> evade people, you work in mysterious ways. He's just mythic and so and and uh, it's kind of funny. But hey, uh, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Awesome to have you. Well, I'm going to ask you to lift the lid with my first question. 
If I were to take a sneak peek inside your Google Analytics account and look at the traffic going to all of your websites, what would I find as the number one traffic source for Joel.com right now? Uh, you know, it's it's very organic, uh, really. My I've always been very organic. I don't buy a lot of traffic. Um, you know, if I'm promoting a product and bringing affiliates on board, then certainly they'll drive a lot of traffic. But you'll be interested to know that I sold off my largest content sites a few years ago. And uh, most of what I'm doing now is is not pure content. I mean, there's my blog mm-hmm. um, that I create content for, but uh, that aspect of my business is something that is, is not a strong part right now. So you're talking about the AdSense sites that you became so kind of famed for. Right, right. Yeah, finally, um, you know, I sold those and uh, the sum that I sold them for was uh, nothing to sneeze at. And so it was very much worth Moving on from that aspect, I still teach AdSense. I've got a new edition of my ebook that's just about ready to launch. So there's, uh, um, you know, plenty still to say about it. It's just personally, I've made my money there and, and I've moved on to some other things. Yeah. Well, perhaps we'll talk about some of that upcoming. Um, but of course, the premise of Traffic Jam is to get the top experts in their fields to reveal their very best traffic getting secrets. You, of course, did the same with your book, Click Here to Order, where you gathered 40 of the best internet marketers and asked them to reveal their secrets to their success. Now, be it all of which a few years ago now, I guess. But what did you gain from that process and writing that book that you've been able to apply and, and kind of learn lessons from in your own business in recent years? You know, what I loved about that book so much is the opportunity just to sit down and talk with my peers and, and discover that just like myself, we all kind of ended up making money online, just figuring it out. There weren't uh, eBooks to read. There weren't teachers to train us. We jumped in because we thought this worldwide web thing was cool and, and we discovered ways to make money and then we wrote books and we began training on it. And it was like pioneering the wild west yeah. and to discover, you know, the stories of, you know, John Reese uh, was, was deeply in debt before he had his big success with traffic secrets. You know, uh, Jeff Walker created a, a product in the financial sector. That was his first product launch that where he learned and, and honed his skills on the product launch formula. Armin Morin was a vacuum cleaner salesman before uh, he became, you know, an internet marketing guru and so many successful products and seminars. And we're all just, regular people that are willing to take risks. And that's what entrepreneurs do. We take risks, we try things, and and we're okay with them failing sometimes because the more failures you have, the more likely you are to have that huge success. And uh, that's why I do so many things at one time. I just love to play in a lot of different sandboxes and and build things. And uh, sometimes they fall flat and there's there's nothing there. And other times we build a castle and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a little bit about that because you, you are very much an early adopter online. I think um, according to your bio, you're one of the first 25,000 people in the world to have a website. You got some pretty early success with an iPhone app that reached number one in the app store worldwide and you've pioneered the whole make money online with the adsense thing so you've clearly got a good eye for an opportunity and you're prepared to take a few risks but what kind of methods or frameworks do you use to analyze perhaps a market a business opportunity or maybe even a traffic source that's kind of enabled you to get success so consistently 
You know, the first thing that I do is I look at what interests me personally. It, you know, there's a lot of ways to make money online. And, and I've had people tell me here, you should do this and you should try this. And, and they may well be right that those are great methods of making money. But if they don't interest me personally, if there's not something that ignites a passion and a desire to pursue it, uh, then the money's not going to be enough to, to do yeah. that. And, and I won't pursue it. So the first thing for me is, is this something that's cool? You know, when, uh, when I built my first website, I thought, Hey, this will be fun to create content and do game reviews and, and put this thing on the internet. When I, uh, when I filmed the reality show it was cause I enjoyed reality TV and I, and I knew YouTube was on the rise and I thought this would be great to do apprentice meets YouTube. Let's create this reality show. When the iPhone came out, I had to buy one. I was one of those people that bought the very first iPhone and paid 600 bucks for it and it was worth it. And I didn't gripe when they lowered the price to $400 because I paid what I thought it was worth. And uh, when they said we can make apps, I said, we, we have to make an app. This is cool. So it really starts there. Uh, and then I evaluate and go, okay, it is, do we have an idea that's feasible? Can I do this? And can this be profitable? Or will this just be a whole lot of fun? Yeah. Because not everything I do is is there for uh, for profit. So many things I do are just there because I enjoy doing them. And what those usually do is they reinforce my brand as, as you say, a pioneer and somebody who you know thinks of new creative ways to do things. And that, to me, uh, I enjoy that designation more than hey, he made a million bucks on you know this app or whatever. Yeah, and and have some of your kind of what you thought might be non-profitable ventures, but the real passion projects turned out into some of those that have made you the most money. That's true. That's true. You never know when you're, when you're going to hit. And, uh, I think when you take your eye off, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, if it's not all about the money, you're more likely to be engaged in what it is you're doing. It's going to be important to you. And you know, the adage to some degree is true. If you do what you love, the money will follow. Yeah. And you follow through. Yeah. Well, we were first introduced, uh, I think on the Middle East internet summit, uh, an event that I was co-organizing. And of course we both spoke at, and I seem to remember from that uh, that conference that you spoke and presented on a topic um, which I think was titled How to Become a Recognized Expert from Memory. Mm. And you talked a lot about publishing and you encouraged others to write their own book. Now, you've written, I think, nine or more books. Um, so I'm guessing the whole book thing's worked out pretty well for you. <laughs> How- I'm a, a big fan of books, huge fan. I think, I think the book is uh, the single greatest thing you can do to elevate your credibility in the marketplace yeah and you've you've had a few that are, are very well well recognized the adsense code that you know twitter power do you think that's really been responsible for really positioning you online joel and, and giving you kind of the the profile that you've been able to achieve yeah i do i think and it's just one more thing you know it's it's uh it's a stack of of bricks right and each one is a different accomplishment and because i've done so many varied things and even my books from book to book there's such variety one teaching people how to make money with adsense another one training how to use twitter for business another about five ways to make money online and we've got the biography you know you mentioned click here to order and my more recent book, uh, So What Do You Do, is inspirational and entrepreneurial stories from uh, you know over 40 co-authors. So there's a lot of variety, and that, that allows me to position myself in, in a lot of different arenas. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about 
that book, which she spoke about the five primary methods for generating revenue online. I think it was called Kaching. Um, That's correct. And I guess that was a few years ago now. Would you still have the same five methods of generating revenue online as you would today? Or has your kind of viewpoint on some of those things changed a little bit? Well, what I did with this book is that while there's a lot of ways to make money online, I tried to focus on co- the content that somebody would generate based on their own knowledge, their passions, talents, skills, abilities, their own personality. So what what can you do for a business based on who you are? And so the, uh, the, the five ways that I elaborate on are um, creating content sites that can be monetized with advertisements and, and text links like AdSense and, and uh, Contera. Um, doing affiliate programs where you're selling other people's stuff through your content sites. Creating your own information products, which can take a variety of formats. Creating membership programs that generate uh, ongoing revenue stream. And then the highest level is having a, uh, a mentoring, a coaching program where you can have people pay you to share your knowledge and expertise. Now, there's a lot of other ways that you can make money online, but those five are still uh, time-tested and proven models for monetizing your content and, and who you are. And they all lead to... <laughs> I was waiting for the kitchen button. You know, I even had that. I think I had that. Do you have an app with the same sound a few years ago? I do. I, yeah. I have a kitchen button that's out there. Yeah, there's a there's a great story in that whole thing itself. I don't know if you uh, you know, but our app initially got rejected by the iTunes App Store. And if you go in 2010, uh, they said it had minimal user functionality. And if you go to uh, YouTube and just search for um, uh, Joel Com Steve Jobs, you'll see a video appeal that I made to uh, Steve, who was th- then the acting CEO of Apple. Um, it was a very humorous video appealing to uh, the, the the way that they were reviewing and approving apps into the store. And uh, it got a whole bunch of attention and got me published on TechCrunch with the video. And, and the app actually got approved within the next couple of weeks as a result. So it's kind of fun to go back and, and see how taking a risk by going right to the top um, worked. Yeah. And this was the, was it the iFart app? Is that the one? No, no, the There's Kaching actually the Kaching app itself yeah. got rejected because yeah, you, you also got rejected, or you thought you may get rejected, right? With the with the one that made the big bucks, right? Right. We thought we might get rejected when we heard that a competitor's yeah. app that was submitted just before ours was rejected, and so we waited, and then we en- ended up submitting it, and it took a couple months, but uh, one day we were pleasantly surprised when it got approved, and course the uh, the rest there is history yeah it kind of worked out all right for you <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now listening to one of your own recent podcasts you talked a little bit about google help outs which you held as a big new opportunity online i think i'd like you to explain a little bit about what help outs are because it might be an alien concept to some then perhaps you can explain why you think they're the next big opportunity on google and potentially how our listeners can leverage them themselves Sure. Well, you know, helpouts is really Google's attempt to monetize the Hangouts functionality they've created. So with, you know, everybody's pretty much done Hangouts by now. And if you haven't, hangouts.google.com allows you to video conference with uh, up to 10 people on their cameras at one time using their uh, their live video streaming technology. And there's a lot of cool features that you can use in there, including, you know, sharing whiteboards and uh, uh, a chat room where you can type text as well and share links as well as talk. And you can wear funny hats and it's, it's kind of gimmicky 
spooky, but a lot of people are now using Hangouts to do uh, webinars and teleseminars and be able to share, you know, screen share. And so what they've done with Helpouts is they've put, they've wrapped um, this uh, interface around it that allows people who are experts in a field to give help to real people in real time using their e-commerce interface. Now you can uh, go to helpouts.google.com and you'll see there's a number of categories and maybe you want to know how to cook a certain uh, chicken dish right for dinner and you can go on you can see there's experts in uh, in cooking and you can see if somebody's available they might be willing to give you a free help out or it might be paid where you uh, it's by metered by the minute or perhaps it's ten dollars for 30 minutes whatever it is the uh, the person giving the help out sets it and this gives you an opportunity to put yourself in front of people who need help right now and to charge them for that google processes everything through google wallet and the person giving the help out keeps 80 percent uh, of whatever the fee is now if you don't want to charge and you just want to give free ones well that's great lead gen because we all know if you give yourself away for five ten minutes and you share your expertise with somebody they're more likely to buy something from you in the future so whether you use it as a lead gen uh, to brand yourself or whether you just charge outright for the help outs that you give, it's a great opportunity in this day and age. We want help on a subject matter and we want it now and help outs lets you do it on demand. Yeah. And we've actually created a, the first course on it. It's called the paid expert. So if you, anybody goes to thepaidexpert.com, they can go ahead and take a look at, at our uh, course there, which basically shows you everything you need to know about how to monetize and get started with google helpouts fab well i'll make sure the link to the paidexpert.com is included in the show notes but uh, pretty easy to find um you've been trying this of course yourself i think joel i mean what sort of success have you got with helpouts uh, I did. I tried it for a couple weeks and probably did about 15 of them. And uh, people were very happy with it, you know, and I charged, I usually, I charge $500 an hour for consultation, um, one-on-ones with people. But for the sake of testing helpouts, I think I charged uh, $40 for 15 or 20 minute helpouts. And I did a number of them and recorded some of them and, and uh, really helped people out as well worth their time uh, to, uh, to get some tips from me. Yeah. Well, another thing you've been um, putting a bit of time into recently is the Joel Com Show, which, of course, your podcast um, seems to be that quite a few online personalities, so to speak, are either planning their own show or, or about to launch their own show. What have you done to kind of make your podcast stand out and, and kind of be a bit different? Well, you know, I'm no stranger to podcasts. I started broadcasting back in 2007 and have had a number of different shows. And the current show you mentioned is actually on hiatus right now. I haven't done a, a new one since January of this year because of all the travels. It, it was taking too much time. And so one of the things I've been doing is trying to figure out what I really want to do with a podcast because I really enjoy doing them and what format would allow me the greatest freedom to be able to do it regularly and bring the greatest value. And so I've kind I've put it on pause for the moment, although there's a, a bunch of episodes in iTunes that many are evergreen. So if people want to look up the Joel Com show, um, they can go in and pull those down and, and learn some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, one thing I certainly noticed about your podcast is that you seem to have very high production values and the, you know, the show format really kind of felt like a, you know, a full blown radio show with music interludes and sections. I mean, it was well structured, um, probably beats most of the kind of the preambling sort of voice style podcast that you hear from so many. So, but I guess I get the flip side of that is it takes a bit longer, right? 
It does. And I produce it all myself. I'm a former disc jockey and I've worked in production before. And so I chose the music and wrote the scripting and hired the talent for the voiceovers and, and actually edited it all myself every episode. And that's what takes so much time. And, and, uh, you know, I would eat if to continue, uh, doing it this way. I just, I'm not sure I have the bandwidth for it. So I, I will be back. There will be a show. It might be a different name, um, but I've got some ideas and I'm, I'm formulating them right now. Good. Well, keep us up to speed with that. We'll certainly make uh, Traffic Jam listeners aware of that once you start putting the shows out again. So um, that would be awesome. But uh, I guess you've done some pretty good things in your time, but I'm sure the, you know, the, the roads haven't always been paved with gold and you've made some mistakes along the way, Joel. What's your biggest failure online? Uh, wow, there's so many. Uh, but if we talk in terms of, of monetary, uh, just to categorize it, years ago, probably starting in 2008, I put together, I spent a lot of money and uh, had staff create a mobile marketing platform that was ahead of its time um, using SMS messaging and put a lot of effort into it, spent a good six figures. And because I was distracted with so many projects, it never really got the attention that it deserved. And, um, I, I actually, I tried to sell it after I realized I wasn't going to market it. And, um, I, I wasn't able to do that. And finally one day I just shut it down. I just said that that's it. I'm going to stop paying for this. Um, and I'm just going to shut it down and let it go. And what's really interesting, instead of grieving the end of it, of this dream of a product that I thought would be wildly successful, um, I felt free yeah. because it was, I stopped paying for it. And I felt like in that moment I stopped failing. Yeah. It wasn't a failure anymore. It was, it was done. And but there's, I think there's a quote in there. Maybe there's a tweet that I need to, to make around there. <laughs> well, I'm sure many of our listeners can resonate with that. I mean, it's like the, it's like the, the pain in the bum client who's, who pays really good, but just demands your time. And, you know, you, you feel like you don't want to let go of them because financially they're potentially good or maybe are good. But when you let them go, there's kind of that freeing feeling and that sense of release just to move on to other stuff. Um, certainly yeah. resonate with that. Good. So you've been online for some time you've built your first website way back i think before many of us even had discovered the internet so i guess joel it'd be fair to say that you've got a broader perspective than most what advice would you give a new business owner starting out online right now um don't chase the money figure out what where you bring the greatest value to the world around you what is that thing that you feel that It's going to make a difference. It's going to, maybe it'll inspire them. Maybe it'll train them to be better at what they do. Maybe it'll entertain them. Whatever it is, figure out that thing that makes your heartbeat, that drives you. And then you want to figure out how do I bring this to the world? Is it through a podcast? Is it through video? Is it through content? Am I going to write? Uh, is it through social media? What, am I going to create a product? Is it a digital product? Is it a physical product? What can I do? that will make a difference. And I think that is uh, always the obvious choice to pursue. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really making you tick right now? What are the passion projects for Joel Com at the moment? I've actually got a number of things in the, the works. And uh, um, apart from 
uh, what I just shared with you. I'm not really prepared to uh, to release them. They're all in the the stage where they're seedlings or they're getting ready to come up to be full, you know, oak trees. And um, I'm I'm kind of holding on to my cards until I'm ready to <laughs> announce. Them. So we're going to get no traffic jam exclusive here, then, Joel. There's there's nothing Duh. exclusive with you. Uh, some of them are are really significant. Uh, if if I can pull them off, uh, my to do list is incredibly long, and um, I'm working. Uh, I try to work with smart joint venture partners that can really get things done because I'm just one guy. I used to have a team of 38 people. I am now a solopreneur again, which I love. I work at home. Um, I'm enrolled in, in what I call a 12 step program and it's 12 steps from my bedroom down to my office, um, <laughs> downstairs. and, uh, and, and I love it. I love the lifestyle. I, I enjoyed having a staff. They were incredibly talented and we did some amazing things, but the season of life I'm in right now, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the free lifestyle that I have uh, working at home once again. Nice. Well, I guess I've got kind of a hybrid model of that. I mean, I work about 12 steps from my bedroom as well, but I've got a you know reasonably sizable team, but I still enjoy the freedom. So uh, anyway, I appreciate your time today, Joel, um, and of course your expertise. Where should our listeners go to find out more about you and perhaps connect with you online? I am the easiest guy to find because uh, apparently I'm the only Joel Calm in the world. So joelcom.com and on any of these social sites, uh, I'm that guy. So it's, it is calm with two M's and yes, it is my real name. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel. To you, the listener, to get links to all of these resources mentioned in today's show, along with links to Joel's social media profiles and, of course, his website, visit trafficjamcast.com. So, Joel, thanks once again. You bet, James. Take care. This week's news in traffic. So to the first story this week, we go to a news item I picked up from TechCrunch. And this story is all about Facebook, who have come under quite a lot of scrutiny recently from marketers complaining that Facebook page posts are just no longer appearing in news feeds. Um, it's a story that we've spoken about, too, on this show in recent weeks. Well, Facebook's vice president of ads, product and marketing, Brian Boland, has come back with a bit of a rally saying that this is really happening because there's an increase in users on Facebook and a huge increase in the number of pages those users like. He said it's grown 50% in the last year, resulting in just more competition in the newsfeed. He also pointed out that several other online platforms just use a real-time feed, meaning you're far less likely to show up in those types of scenarios. So he's really saying that, um, you know, there's not much you can do about it, really. Um, this is just the way that Facebook is going with more competition out there. It's just harder and harder to show up. So uh, go and check that story out. You'll get a little bit more context by reading the post itself. And it will, of course, be linked off to within the new section of today's show. So go check that out. 
The next story comes from LinkedIn, who are following suit where Facebook and then Twitter have gone, and that's to add a large cover photo to LinkedIn profiles. Now, this feature is only available right now to premium LinkedIn users, but LinkedIn are saying that it will be available to all LinkedIn profiles in the coming months. LinkedIn have also announced a few additional features for premium users. The first of which is a keyword suggestion unit, which is aiming to help you improve your profile and optimize it to be found on LinkedIn searches. The second update they've made is the option to make your profile open and fully visible to all LinkedIn members. And uh, the last one is the ability to see a full 90 day list of all people who have viewed your profile and access the top 100 results for how you rank versus your connections and company peers. So a few updates happening to LinkedIn. These are, as I say, only available to premium LinkedIn users, which incidentally starts at about $10 per month. So if some of these features sound like they might interest you, then uh, might be the time to go and look at premium LinkedIn membership. Otherwise, wait on a bit. They will be released to other members in the coming months. The third story this week comes from Google, who've announced a new programmatic marketplace for premium video ad inventory called Google Partner Select. Now, there's only been a few companies invited so far, Time Inc. being one of them, and it allows publishers to sign on to sell their premium video inventory through the new exchange. Now, Google's also announced the launch of a direct exchange for premium video inventory through DoubleClick to allow advertisers to make reservation-based buys with specific publishers in a more streamlined fashion than the traditional process of negotiations and insertion order. So uh, head on over to trafficjamcast.com and the current episode page for more details on that story. In other news from the web, well, Pinterest releases a self-service dashboard for promoted pins. There's a story out that Facebook and Twitter may have to implement the EU's right to be forgotten, just like Google are having to. And uh, also Google have made some updates to end-to-end email privacy, which will uh, hopefully protect you a little bit more in email exchanges. So there are a few of the other stories. Thank you for all the iTunes and Stitcher reviews that just keep on coming in. Thank you to all of you who have submitted one, either at iTunes or Stitcher. If you haven't done so already, well, I'd love it if you did. Please head on over to iTunes.com or Stitcher.com and leave a review and rating for the show. And if while you're over there, you haven't yet subscribed to Traffic Jam, hit the subscribe button so you're the first to get the upcoming episodes. The one minute traffic tip. So a super quick tip this week uh, that may be so quick, it may just take about 30 seconds. Let's see how fast we can do it. Now it relates to email marketing and the name of the game with emails, of course, is to get your emails delivered and then opened. And to ensure that happens, you want to make sure that your email broadcast software account is in good standing. So it's marked as safe and your emails get delivered more often. Now, to ensure that happens, you want to delete from your account anyone who's not opening your emails. 
You also want to delete from your account anyone who has their email status set to no. That will ensure you have a higher percentage of emails going through. And of course, you want to also ensure that only people that have requested to be on your email list get signed up. And that can be done with double opt-in or just by asking people before you add them to the list. That will ensure you have a high delivery rate and you avoid those email spam filters. Thank you, listener, for listening into episode number 40 of Traffic Jam. I will be back next week with another content-packed episode where I'll be diving deep into the topic of video blogging. So stay tuned for that one. In the coming week, if you haven't done so already, remember to subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And for a direct link to all episodes, go to trafficjamcast.com where you can find past episodes as well as join the discussion on this episode. And of course, get all of the links and resources mentioned in today's show. Also head on over to veravo.com, which is the home for all of my traffic tips and training, where you'll also learn how I can help you get more traffic via the search engines. Now we end this week's show as we do every show with the traffic jam chosen by my guest today, Joel Com. So this is the track that Joel has chosen. It's a piece of classic Genesis from 1973. And the track title is called Firth of Fifth. So here it is. Uh, Enjoy the track play out and I'll see you back here in about seven days from now. Bye.
Listening to the Traffic Jam podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.